dear friends, thank you so much for joining yet another episode of uh, Share the World. This time around, um, the roles have been reversed and uh, I am going to be interviewed by my good friend Abhilash and we talk about my journey as in uh, as a manager and as an individual contributor in the corporate world. And Abhilash just made a switch from being an individual contributor all these years and um, moving to become a manager. And so he was interested to understand my perspective on and my journey and uh, it, it was an honor to really talk to him about certain things um, so we kind of broken this episode into two uh, so in the first uh, episode is what you're going to listen today and then the next week we will have uh, the second part of that episode so take a listen enjoy and i'll talk to you guys at the end of the episode so sure. yep yeah, uh, donald it's good to have you and uh, i think our listeners have heard you speak to others and um uh, they know your voice and they hear you ask questions of others. But today you're in the hot seat. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ever ready. I'm born ready. <laughs> okay. Kidding. Okay. Yep. Um, I think our listeners are getting to know you. Okay. And um, uh, this session is about you, Don. You're the spotlight. And um, this session is primarily about the subject of work. Um, so I think our audience will get to know a little more about you and your take on work so yeah this is for the listeners now don and i have known each other for quite a while now i would say about 15 16 years and uh, uh, my name is abhilash i'm from bangalore india and there was a time i think a short phase where don you and i uh, we shared a house together right as we used to have friends come over and uh, they would hang out so, for our listeners' sake, why don't you take us through your professional journey? Uh, tell us sure. what you have done and what you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. Um, my educational background, I did my bachelor's in commerce. It's kind of, you know, in India, we call it BCom. And then after that, I went and did my post-graduation diploma in management or equivalent. They don't, you know, the, the institute that I the institution that I did my, my MBA in, they, they don't give MBA because they're not a recognized university. So they call it postgraduate diploma in management. I did it in finance and minored in marketing. My first job was uh, in sales and I joined a firm called ICICI Prudential, which was an insurance company. So I was there for about two and a half years. I did mostly sales management and distribution management. That was my speciality or rather that's the one that I got to do. So that's what I was an individual contributor. I started off as a management trainee and then became a manager. Um, post that, I moved to another small company, Allegro Financial. So it was kind of a, they were kind of a small setup with investment banking. I stayed there for like six months and then I somehow didn't adjust to the culture. So I moved quickly and then joined Accenture where I was for about 12 years, just over 12 years. There, you know, I started with a team called mobilization or transition. Uh, this was mostly to do with projects that were sold, had to be set up in India. This was in the outsourcing uh, you know, space. So I did mobilization and uh, for a while, and then I moved to service delivery, which is basically servicing our clients from India 
Then I came to the U.S. Uh, the last eight years I've been here. The f- five years w- in the U.S. The first five years after I joined, after I came over to the U.S., I became what they call an account manager, basically managing accounts uh, for uh, our clients. So I managed uh, one account, then I got, I kind of moved on to another account, then you know another couple of accounts were added, and had the opportunity also to begin something new, like a new service offering that we could offer to the clients. And then uh, my last tint, the last three years at least, I've been with Merck. I'm a director for operations for a uh, team called Global Clinical Data Integration, which is in the pharmaceutical space. And uh, I'm a director for operations there. Um, What I do essentially is projects that help deliver the strategic outcomes for our team. And we spread out, we have about four four geographies, Argentina, China, US, that's a Merck offices. And then we work with uh, a firm that operates out of India. So so that's essentially my day job, mostly projects driven. And, uh, you know, I work with what I call the triangle um, strategy, structure, organizational structure and culture of the organization. So that's essentially my projects. Yeah. Sorry, long answer. (laughs) uh, It it sounds like uh, the majority of your function has been customer facing, right? Or uh, say until you joined Merck? Yeah, yeah. Mostly, mostly customer facing. I was in sales, you know, it's a retail sales. Then I moved to kind of, um, you know, B2B, right? Business to business sales. Then I joined again, B2C back again in Accenture. It was business to customer. And now I'm in, you know, kind of a in-house stakeholder setup, not really customer. We have uh, partners that work with us. So I'm not, I have stakeholders, which I think is the same concept. Um, you know, we call them internal customers, but it's still within the company. And uh, yeah. have you always uh, been an operations guy? Ah, that's an interesting question. I, no, no, I actually, I thought I'd be in finance um, all along because that's why I took bachelors of commerce. I took accounting as a specialty. I thought I was good as good at accounting. I majored in finance doing my MBA, you know, and I, I came out in life insurance, but I start, I knew I wanted to get to finance, but I thought it's a good place to start. Essentially, I mean, let me go back. I was desperate to get a job out of MBA, right? <laughs> so you, you take a job that comes, right? And it was a pretty lucrative job when I got it, you know, considering my classmates. Um, so I just took the job that I got, but I always wanted to be in finance. Um, but it so happened that I stayed in sales all along and then moved to operations when I came to Accenture. That's when I liked operations. I started to see it all come together. Operations is a field that has everything, right? You know, you got some sales, you got some finance, you got some strategy, uh, you got like a mix of a lot of these things. So I enjoy it now. So never, never started. When you say you enjoy it, and um, it's a mix of several functions coming together, right? Yeah. Um, which function do you uh, enjoy doing the best? Um, I, I like to uh, I don't know if it's a function I, I think it's a it's an area that 
people generally struggle with. That's problem solving. Okay. And I don't know which bucket it actually falls in because I think in order to solve a problem, you need to have, I think, all elements of uh, operations, right? So, and, and it's not just to solve the problem, but it's to take the company or the the team or function, whatever that is, from where it is that is having a challenge or a problem to where they can be. I really enjoyed that part of my job. And uh, I've recognized that I like something that is completely unstructured. And when it gets to structure, that's where I think operations-wise, when it becomes routine and I know what that is going to be, kind of lose interest. So I've recognized my strength is always in some, you know, what I can solve that is unstructured. And so you mean bringing some kind of order out of chaos? Yeah, that's essentially right. I, I'm I'm okay with complete chaos. I've okay. recognized that, and that's that's not everybody likes that. I think every, you know all of us like order. I somehow thrive when there is chaos <laughs> or okay. disorder. Okay. To be able to work with people, it's a people's you know you know it's a people challenge, right? To work with people in order to sort that out. Once it's sorted. I kind of lose interest. Uh, I don't like the daily ro- rigmarole. Uh, okay, yeah. so you like the the chaos to order aspect of the operation instead of the the maintenance aspect of the operation, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. I get bored pretty quickly with the maintenance. Okay, and and when you look at yourself, is there a a, a particular uh, trait in your personality that makes you uh, interested in this? Is this something that you can trace back when you look at your life? I don't know if I can look at my life. Uh, One of the things that brought about clarity of kind of the way I am wired is came out actually when I did a survey called Clifton 34, 34 Clifton strengths. I don't know if you've heard of that. that uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> what is that? Uh, the strength finder, right? Strength finder. That's right. right. That's right. Yes. That that thirty-four strength finder, thirty-four Clifton strength finder. That kind of illuminated my understanding of the way I am wired. And so, you know, my f- top five strengths uh, can deal with chaos pretty strongly. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's, um, um, if I remember right, it's uh, input, uh, strategic, um, uh, connectedness, um, learning, Uh, L-I-C-S-C. So, yeah, it was learning, input, connectedness, uh, strategic, and there was one more. I forget the strength. There's another C. And I like CSC. I remember that acronym. <laughs> so those top five strengths that it was it was kind of revealing to me when I read the strengths. Like, wow, this is what I like to do. Right, right. So those five kind of give me um, uh, that helps me operate in this realm easily, and and kind of give me 
quote unquote, I know I sent you an article, meaningful work, mm-hmm. meaningful work, kind of gives me, I'd say, satisfaction. And so as you, if you throw me in that, it's um, I'm kind of, you know, it doesn't feel like work anymore. And it's interesting because uh, every once in a while we hear a survey which tells us that many people are not really engaged at their work, right? Right. Maybe 60, right. 70, 75 percent, uh, something like that, right? Uh, a good portion of people who work are not engaged because probably they they don't think their skills and their natural personalities are are suitable for the job. Correct. In your opinion, how important is that? I think it it's um, it may not be as important as you begin your career because you're discovering kind of who you are, right? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should retract what I said. When I look back at even my childhood and the things that I did, I think. I can now see why I did what I did the way I did what I did. It kind of it gives me kind of pause for thought. As you ask me this question is when I'm actually making the connection. I always was okay with chaos because my life actually honestly became chaotic after dad passed away. After my dad passed away at nine years old, it was chaotic from then on. So I found a way and a mechanism to channel that chaos into a level of productivity, whether it was at sports or whether it was at studies. I found a way to manage that chaos. In some sense, I was trying to hide and get away from that chaos. So I channeled my energy into doing that. Yeah, now, now that I think about it, I think it, it can be detected early. Can it be nurtured? That's the key question, right? So we, very few of us actually have mentors, both at work and at home, right? Outside of life. I've had the privilege of having mentors both at work and outside of work. So that's kind of helped shape, ask, even ask the question, hey, what am I doing? How am I wired to do what I'm doing? Even asking that question, I think, can bring about a lot of discovery. Uh, and I've, I've been doing that at Merck. I have a great opportunity to mentor people, uh, not just my own team, but you know others. There's a mentorship program. And we've been able to ask that question. And it's really been revealing to people to kind of say, what they do is they take the job description, they take their strengths now and actually map it, saying mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do and who I am right now, the way I'm wired, how is that connected? People kind of get their answer saying, oh, wait a minute. That's why I'm dissatisfied in some sense. So it helps for people to know what they are good right. at or how they're naturally wired to find a job that fits the wiring well. Right. It may be a journey. It's not mm-hmm. in me again, just cut away and say, I'm going to find my job. But maybe a stepwise journey. People just need to be patient. But I think if you have a framework to say, okay, how am I wired? What am I doing? Is there satisfaction or is there dissatisfaction? And then move towards some kind of satisfaction in the way that you're wired will be helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, this uh, trait of yours, right? Managing 
chaos and bringing order um, mm. does this transfer to your personal life do you see areas outside of your work where you do this or you enjoy doing this yeah i do i do fine um it can this you know any strength you know can become a weakness so to my family i'm i'm irritating because <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> i want i don't want chaos in some sense that's my natural you know inclination is to take chaos move to order right so uh so sometimes i run out of patience it's like you know why is it not cleaned up why is this like this why is this kept like this? it needs an order you know so it can become a burden and i've i've started to recognize it now off late that my frustration sometimes at home is because of the way i'm wired and i need to be patient mm-hmm. um and sometimes the the stamina for patience i run out at work because that's what i'm doing like you know 8 10 12 sometimes 14 hours i have no no will power left when i come back home or when i'm when i start to get back you know in the home environment and i'm firing off right so which is not good so i can i use it personally but i don't think it's very useful because sometimes i you know i push the girls and push my a little bit so the last couple of years i've recognized that i can do this and so i think it's my role in sort of shouting orders or barking orders i might as well do it because that's my strength so so clean up you know all of that is really my responsibility mostly you know obviously maya helps much more than i do i cannot take credit for what she does at home but at least the house cleaning portion you know i kind of help drive okay okay um let's uh, pivot to another aspect of work and uh, mm. this is something that is very uh, close to my heart right now and mm. uh, for much of your career that is what a uh, 17 18 years you have been in a manager role right yes uh, yeah and this is a uh, significant for me because it's only now that i have become a manager and i have a small team and having been uh working as an individual contributor for quite a while uh i'm entering a new world right mm. so um ha- tell us about that how long have you been an individual contributor and how long as a manager yeah so i think uh, if i i started work in 2003 so i've had 18 years being in the corporate and i'd say about 5 years of those 18 years i've been an individual contributor and it's it's been in different sections of my life so when i came to merk i was an individual contributor mm-hmm. for a year right as i started to build the concept the idea of what it means to be an operations person in this operating model and then i started to build the team around that concept and that idea so i'm not saying i was individual contributor and i always was a manager uh when i was in accenture i was an individual contributor for about two and a half years there so uh year and a half i'd say yeah year and a half two years i think uh, i believe and then another um you know year and a half close to two years when i started my career so all in in all parts of my career even as of you know three years ago i was an individual contributor and then i became a manager so, so about 12 13 years of being a manager right correct about 12 to 13 years of being a manager yep 
I've managed teams that are really large. I've had a team of 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've managed team sizes of 400 and 500. And right now I manage a team of eight people. Okay. <laughs> right. So I've had different sizes of uh, teams that I've managed over the years. And the complexity is still the same. The scale may be different, but the complexity still remains kind of the same, irrespective of the total number. I, I assume that you enjoy the role of being a manager, right? It's I do. I okay. do. It just comes okay. naturally to me. Yeah. Okay. When when I look back, so that's why, you know, I think these are the streaks that are there even as my childhood. So I, you know, I was a captain of my team, you know, um back at sports. You mean cricket, is it? I played all sports. So I, okay. I was captaining hockey, I was captaining football, I was captaining cricket. Uh, it was in you know a lot of sports, you know, like uh, um, team sports, uh, even in athletics. I was in team sports, so I, I used to lead. So it, I think it just kind of came naturally for me. And um, you know, you you lead by performing. And so transitioning to a team manager was not very difficult. Actually, my second year as a employee. As a yeah, as a corporate guy, I became a manager already. Yeah, I was really young. I was leading like you know, guys who were like five, maybe even sorry, eight or ten years elder to me, right? Just in age and experience. Yeah, I had the privilege of coming to a management school and therefore becoming a manager. <laughs> but um, you know, it's kind of a different tour. So they didn't really respect me when uh-huh. I came in, and tried to really earn their respect to say, "Who is this kid from?" You know, MBA school, he thinks he knows everything, you know. So I'd really win their respect. And sales guys are brutal. And did right? that work? It, it took me time. It took me at least, um, I'd say, about nine months to work my way through. Because these guys were in the field for like, you know, five, seven, some of them, 10, 12 years. They're like, what do you know about selling something that, I have to teach you, but I have to still call you boss or manager, whatever that is, right? So it was an interesting challenge. Do you remember what you did to gain their trust? How did that pan out? <laughs> uh, you know, I have to say, I honestly didn't know. So I, I used to pray quite a bit. I said, Lord, I don't know how to win their trust other than assist them, right? Uh, enable them. That's where I think the, that word really empower, enable really is a, is a key premise on which people management, I think, is built. So I try to enable them and uh, relationship management was my responsibility. So I was in a state called Kerala in India, and I was given the responsibility of managing a team, which was a bank, which had a team uh, that was selling insurance through the bank, right? So our people were placed in the bank branches and they were trying to cross-sell insurance. So my responsibility was to manage the relationship of that account, right? And also manage, obviously, the top line, right? Sales of that, of that uh, you know, account, right? So we had branches all across Kerala, top to bottom, right? Kannur all the way back to Trivandrum. So I used to transfer, so kind of go all across Kerala to each branch every month, meet the manager, create the environment, create the relationship, 
and you know make them win some contest that we were up and running against like across in India and then create that environment. So slowly but surely, people started to respect saying, okay, Donald is doing something that enables me to sell better, sell more, sell faster. Um, to win the respect of my peers, it was harder because these guys were experienced for like 20 years, 25 years. They were my peers and I had zero years of experience. Actually, one year of experience. I was really nothing, right? So um, God gave me the ability to sell a humongous policy that not many people have ever sold uh, in that geography. That skyrocketed my, my, you know, in some sense, my stripes, right? It's like, mm. this dude knows to sell. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so that, was a, that was a fun thing. You know, I sold, a, you know, in Indian rupees, it is one crore. Right, mm -hmm. it's pretty big, right? It's the people don't sell like one crore policies then, right? Those days. So it was a rare event. And I sold one and people were like shocked at the fact that uh you know somebody could sell like before that, somebody else had sold pretty similar, like uh 75 lakhs or 80 lakhs or maybe even one crore, I don't know. But mine was a second sale that happened and it was it was brilliant. So propelled you to the top. Yeah, just I think it just gave me some kind of respect among my peers to kind of say, okay, this guy's, you know, not fresh out of college and he thinks he knows everything. So it took some it took some relationship management to kind of, you know, be respected, I guess. Um yeah. Fun. My first year that was really fun. What um what you, this uh, idea of relationship management, right? Um uh, getting along with people and you said empowering them. Um, how uh, significant is that aspect of work uh, when compared to getting things done mm. as a manager yeah. and as an individual contributor? What do you think? I think the, it's the same concept for me, right? In my mind, right? Uh, I could be wrong. Okay. Obviously, you are what you know if you're a if you're a manager you're one step away from the task itself sometimes right if you're doing tasks with your team like you do some tasks similar to what they do that's different right so maybe you're closer to the task than what like for me i am one step away from the task right so the task is being done by my team and i am helping manage my team right so what I, what I think my job is, is to create an environment that they can successfully execute those tasks. And so it could be that there are some roadblocks I need to clear. There could be some things that I see that they don't see because of just because I have, I see differently because, you know, I'm, I'm at a different perch point, right? Perch, I'm at a different perch, not to say high or low, but I just can see different because I'm in a different position. I hear different things because my boss talks to me and I see different things. And also I'm, I'm kind of away from the context so I can see what they're doing and, you know, what's happening. So just from this, from the point of my position, where I sit and how I see, I'm able to then help them create 
create an environment that enables them to execute the task successfully, right? So that's what I mean by enablement and empowerment and relationship management. Relationship management plays a very critical role across I, what I call the enterprise mindset. You need to have an enterprise mindset. You need to understand what's happening in the company and then what's happening within your function, what's happening within your team, what's happening between cross functions, across functions. So that that management, that's that thinking will help you then kind of go and build these relationships with different people in your organization that then creates an environment for your team to successfully navigate through those tasks. That I see as a manager's role. People get stuck. As managers, they micromanage the tasks of the, of the team members. And the team members are like, do I get the task done or do I manage my manager? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's something that I've seen across the patch where people are insecure managers. Not meaning to say that I've not been insecure. I have, and I still am in some cases. But the more secure you are, you understand what's your role. And your role is to empower, your role is to enable, your role is to ensure that the environment that you're creating for your people is enabling them to execute their tasks successfully. So you're saying that um, having uh, an enterprise mindset and understanding the big picture and then getting your team to do the work is a better way to get things done than micromanaging, correct? Big time, big time, mm-hmm. big time. It's because your team is better than you to do those tasks. You need to know that. And why I say that is they're closer to the task. They know what needs to get done, right? Now, what happens is if you've done those tasks, you have a framework that you can help them with. But you know, and you know, I think I know now, Environments change like every day. So you don't know a lot of stuff that they know because it's just dynamic. The environments are dynamic. So you need to believe that they know better than you in the task itself. They might not know what you need to know, but that's where the exchange and that relationship between your team and you come saying, you understand what your role is. And I'm going to explain to you what my role is, right? And and so I'm not getting in your way. I'm actually giving you a boost to get your stuff done. You tell me, right, where, where you need help. And I will also find out where you potentially might need help and can expedite your enablement. So the manager acknowledges that he or she is not really the expert at getting the task done that the team is doing. And, and and you're saying this mindset is okay. It's not uh, one that creates insecurity. It should not, but mm-hmm. generally it does, right? For right. people who have, you know, all of us have our ego, right? Which is sometimes goes unchecked and we confuse ourselves with, you know, what's my role? What's my team member's role? Can it be complementary and supplementary? rather than competitive. It's not competitiveness, but it is supplementary and complementary to one another, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So um, 
you don't get it immediately, but you know, I've been fortunate. That's why I said mentoring really helps. You get this stuff faster. It's easier and uh, it's easier for your team and it's easier for you and it's easier. It's better for the organization, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, well, uh, I have a very pointed question. Go for it. Uh, yeah. Uh, can a manager be, you know, quote unquote, friends with his or her <laughs> team members? Um, or is it good to maintain a kind of a boundary uh, or a distance? Yeah. I, you know, I think there are different schools of thought in this one, right? There are different philosophies here, I think, right? So you, you've got to choose something that makes sense um, in your own context and for your own kind of, I'd say, what are you, what are you comfortable with? Right? What has worked for you or what, what, what kind of Me? manager are you? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been very good friends with my team members. Um, it's really helped me. And I say that because going back to relationship management, right? So if you don't have trust, if you don't develop a level of, I really know this guy. He, I, I know his intent. I know mostly where he's coming from. Sometimes it's misplaced priority or expectation, but I really know this guy. So I've all through my life, I've had really, really good friendships, peer level mm -hmm. and, um, and, and also, you know, my teammates, team members, and then also my bosses. I've had some very good friendships with my bosses as well. So I think relationship plays a very critical role, really understanding your team and they understanding you. Uh, investing in that relationship makes a big deal. The people get afraid saying, okay, where do I quote unquote draw the line? That's what I think maturing your team members to understand context is important, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're, when you're dealing with a project, you know, a team members could kind of mistake you for saying, oh, this is my friend Donald talking. But, you know, I think you have to mature them to have different kinds of conversations. One conversation is personal. The second conversation is professional. And making that switch, your team might struggle with initially. That's where I think you mature and you help them mature to kind of say, now we're having you know this context and this particular discussion is around what we need to do. And that could be very different. Um, and so they might see a different side of you that pushes Right, right. So, uh, you know, some of my team members are like this, Donald is hyper aggressive uh, in what he thinks he needs, and versus he's a very amiable, friendly dude, right, to talk to. So, how do you? How does your team manage that tension? That depends on how good you are as a manager. That's the maturity that people will have to make i'm not saying i'm there yet but i'm just saying that's something that i you know i enjoy and a struggle at the same time but 
I've found a way to kind of balance the two over the years. I suppose it's also like a parenting um, where uh, your team members get more from you and what you do than as much as from what you tell them to do, right? Always, always. You know, Being it's, an um, example uh, in, in the way we conduct ourselves. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a, like, a, you know, I told you about, you know, we were talking about the men's group, right? So I asked the men's group to actually write to my team to ask them, how oh, am I actually okay. a boss, you know, to them? Actually, they wrote back. They wrote back about, you know, I, you know, I gave them the liberty to ask them without me and they could, they could get the email without me seeing it. And then they would synthesize the feedback and give it to me. So I have no problems doing that. And I think, you know, how, how are you consistent? You say your men's group at church, right? Yes. Yes. yes, Okay. They wrote to your, the team at your workplace that reports to you. Okay. That's That's a first. And they, yeah, they, (laughs) they wrote to my wife. Okay. Um, you know, uh, they wrote to my daughters. And uh, so my daughter, you know, Nia, Nikki, and Mama, sorry, Maya gave uh, feedback. And then my team gave feedback saying, how is this guy? Right. So to kind of watch consistency across the path, right? I mean, is he who he is like we see him or is he different? And that's a great challenge to have, right? You know, in terms of, you know, am I consistent? Am I, you know, is, is the character in me consistent across context? It's an interesting challenge to have. So you can do some crazy things like that, that helps you kind of center around, um, you know, essentially character first. Mm. Well, tell me something about being a manager. Um, I mean, we have spoken about being a manager and working with the team with individuals, but at the team level, um, how do you build loyalty and trust with your team as a, as a team? Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, I have a very simple dialogue when it comes to relationship or anything else. What you don't have, you cannot give. You cannot mm-hmm. share, you cannot lead. The first and foremost thing is, how are you loyal to your team? And I've struggled with this initially, right? To how do I present my team to my boss? And I have exaggerated many times, right? That shows my insecurity, right? I am trying to look good. In that sense, I'm actually disloyal to them mm-hmm. because I'm not doing them service, right? Second, I have, you know, I, on many occasions I have spoken down about people with my bosses, um, which is again being disloyal, right? So over the years, I've experienced of how to be. And I think you and I have spoken quite a bit about it, truthful about certain situations, but how to also be gracious. And that, again, it's a tension. It's it's a tension. Um, (laughs) I have let go of more people than any manager that I have known (laughs) as my peers. (laughs) It's It's a tough metric to carry. It's a burden to carry. 
but I think it's been the truthful and gracious thing to do. And helping them understand it, I've been actually, I think I've been loyal to them. Instead mm-hmm. of just covering up and moving on, I've been able to give them some hard facts that they needed to hear. And so I think it has to begin with you. It has to begin between God and you. And, you know, just being loyal to God in your own heart and mind drives your loyalty to people around you. And I've also, you know, in my days in Accenture, I've had uh, some great feats uh, by the grace of God and by a great team surrounding me, like in terms of attrition. We've gone down to numbers that, you know, people only dreamt of over the years. And so I think that's, uh, that's uh, I'd say, a, um, a fruit of loyalty. Engagement, loyalty, attrition is kind of a, you know, is a, is a fruit of what we could drive there. So, yeah, so begins with God and you and then moves on to other people. And uh, you have to be loyal. You make mistakes. You have to own up those mistakes and correct them and and uh, move on. And how do you balance truth and grace in your conversations is, uh, is, is a growth area. Good to hear, Don. Good to hear the accomplishments. Yeah. You know, somewhere at the start of a conversation, um, you had, did you use the word triangle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you explain what you had in mind? Yeah, so this has been, um, it's been developing over the years for me. And, you know, for me, strategy, structure, and culture are three points of, uh, of uh, that's my triangle, right, that I've talked about. In the middle of the triangle, I have two Vs, that is values and value. So... So strategy, structure, culture, and in between that triangle, you have two V's, that is values and value. So the way I explain that uh, is strategy is where are you going? How will you get there? Right? Simply, simplistically. Okay. If you don't know where you're going and how you're going to get there, <laughs> you can get anywhere. Right? Right. That's what they say. Um Structure is essentially, okay, if you define your strategy of where you want to go and how you want to get there, then do you have the organizational stamina and structure to enable your strategy, right? Uh, so you need to have the right people with the right skills to, to do the right things to be able to achieve what you want to achieve as your strategy. Then comes down to culture. So you could have a great strategy and you could have great structure, but you don't have good culture, right? Uh, I don't know. I think it was a Peter Drucker who said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I like that because if you don't have the right culture, the ship's going down. Right. right? And we struggle with that. So as a manager, I think I look at kind of work in that triangle to kind of say, okay, what is the strategic implication and work do i have the right people and the right structure do i have the right culture in that program project team to be able to achieve that right at the heart of that circle is values right and that's where beliefs values are really critical 
and to emphasize the company's values is very super critical, right? Because if you steer away from those values, you're going to affect something in that triangle. And then the last thing there in that center of that triangle is value. People do a lot of stuff without actually asking, what is the value in me doing that? So it's a, it's kind of a filter to get away from overwork, getting away from wasteful work. Whether it's in strategy, structure, or culture, or, you know, it doesn't matter. You really have to press the button on the value. So we keep asking the question, what's the value in doing that? So that kind of prism helps me work simpler as I put that prism in to the work that we do. It just enables me to kind of uh, see, you know, examine the work in different aspects. friends for joining that episode and um, in the end you probably heard me speak about um, the model the framework that I've kind of used over the years and uh, it's been kind of a triangle which talks about strategy where are we going how will we get there structure organizational structure essentially the people that need to be equipped and brought in to be able to fulfill that strategy uh, and then culture, the way we engage with one another. And at the heart of that model or the triangle is really the two concepts of values, the values and beliefs that we have and the company's values that we belong um, to, uh, and then uh, the, va- the personal values that we have, and then the value that we produce uh, in whatever we are doing. So that kind of completes the model and we explore a little bit of that and also take a personal journey Um, in the next episode so hope you will um, log into the next episode as well hope you enjoyed this one and uh, until then uh, take care if you have any comments feel free to drop it in the platforms that you uh, stream this on or visit our website it's sharethewell.community thank you have a wonderful weekend god bless